where you going? No, man, you got the right classroom. Come on in, take a seat beside me, my friend. Hey, look, here come T.A. Charlie. Let's see what he got to say. Hey, it's Terrifying Tuesday, and you're watching The Road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic. Homeroom is on Rumble. You just go to Rumble and you search the channels for The Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, you go ahead and you click follow. Might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast, it's easy, and it's free. I did it. You can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Um, sometimes on YouTube, but that ain't going to be today. Usually that's just Wednesdays. Then you can catch the podcast after the show. It's uploaded to Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Just look for The Road to Concord. You can go to the blog page at theroadtoconcord.com. That's where you find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. And I forgot that. <laughs> That's what Charlie's going to do today. jeez. Uh, uh, I forgot to turn down my phone. Dang it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All you... Ring it on, ding, ding, dong. <laughs> Ring it on, ding, ding. Yeah, see, there, there's this thing. Okay? This is, this is, Charlie did a thing. Yes. Each of my children have their own distinct ringtones. Can you tell what one's annoying? Uh, that's, what, that's, what, that's actually one of his ringtones. I have more than one annoying child. Let's see. Anyway, where were we? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Road to Concord, that's where you find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. This is a second intro Do any of your so-called annoying children watch this stream? I, I don't know. They watch. I don't think they watch this. They, they couldn't handle it. Okay. Uh, finally, you can email a professor at joe at theroadtoconcord.com. He's a little slow right now, Marianne, uh, but yeah. he will eventually get around to emailing me back. Uh, phones are on today, so if you want to call and complain about the intro to the show, you can call 229-469-0335 if you're registered. We only accept calls from regular known listeners. If you wish to call in, you must be a known class member that has participated in the chats on a regular basis. You may then request phone access through an email. If you find our classes helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Just tell them to skip the intro. <laughs> Just warn them that Joe is an acquired taste. So is Charlie. <laughs> There's a reason I'm Charlie. If you've been with this show for, what is it, 289, you know. You know. This show is listener-sponsored, meaning we do not solicit business advertising because it wouldn't do any good anyway. Uh, and that also makes it that we're not limited in the content we provide for you. That Oh, they wouldn't sponsor today's show. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. This one, yes. We're, we'll be lucky if we don't get Yeah. <sighs> With that said, we ask for your participation on a value-for-value value basis. If you find our show of any value to you, then you provide an equivalent portion of your labor and treasure through the donut link again. If you haven't been here for 289 shows, you don't know why we call it a donut link. But anyway, on the Road to Concord blog page, that's where the donut link is. You can <laughs> click that and you can contribute. And uh, we'll put that in the show description on Rumble and in the comments on the other streams. And I'm done. <laughs> hey, we all know T.A. Charlie isn't on there. Not today, Yank. No, just stay seated and give it a chance. 
Tell them, Tortoise. realize we not might be the smartest, <laughs> but we each independently form opinions based on reason and logic. We're free thinkers. Let's see what the road to Concord with Professor Joe back and over has on the lesson plan for today. <laughs> well, we just ought to hand the show over to Charlie this morning. We can all have a good laugh. <laughs> Are you under the influence of donuts, Charlie? No, Sandy, he's not. <laughs> That's the bad part about this. <laughs> no, uh, well, I, I did have a blueberry muffin this morning. So. That's not a well. It's kind That's of, poofy donut. It's a poofy. It's, donut. it's called how poofy donut, but yeah. it's not a donut. But it was not a donut. It wasn't enough. Yeah, it's that's a mild donut. Enough. That's like CBD oil as compared to, you know, the toking. Yeah. Is it, it might kind of sort of, but no, no, it's blueberry, man. It's it's. Blueberry donuts are not donuts, Charlie. Donuts need to have sugar on top, you know, sprinkled and glazed. Well, these and all did this have stuff. sprinkled kind of crumbly stuff on top. They were pretty good. <laughs> Blueberry crumb cake donut? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, all right. It was pretty good. But... <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, let's get serious now so we can all get killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, before we get going, folks, I just want to share with you. We're about to dive into a subject that once got – I had a local – individual threatened my wife's life over this yes this is back when i was talking on the radio a lot with uh with the local talk show, uh, radio talk show host who got fired largely because of people of the persuasion we're about to talk to talk about today he lost his job because of them and it was mentioned yesterday that there's a large islamic you know community here and locally where i live and yeah this is and, and, and the individual that was threatening my wife's life, I, I he didn't calm down until I, on the air, on the radio, publicly threatened to remind him what Tripoli was all about to Islam. <laughs> and he got the message. <laughs> of course, this was, this was quite a few years ago. And back in those days, I was still closer to my fighting trim <laughs> and might very well have... And something to get myself in trouble. <laughs> so, without too much more ado, Islam, Christianity, and prophecy. No, this is not Worship Wednesday. Do not run away from me today. I am going to share with you things that the media and your pastors and your politicians will not tell you. I'm going to share things with you that even most of the military intelligence people will not tell you. Largely because most of them don't know it. They don't bother worrying about any of this stuff. The West has, has this cultural arrogance about them where they think that, ah, that's just Islam, a bunch of backwards raghead, you know, camel jockeys. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, nay, nay. Mm -mm. No. You better pay attention to Islam, folks. Because what you don't know about Islam could get us all killed. Namely, because our politicians and our military types are being stupid about things. This is a book called God's War on Terror. Right here in my hot little old hands. See here? Got that book with me today? This is written by Walid Shubat and Joel Richardson. And I'm going to explain a little bit to the, about this book to you before we get going. If you are Christian and you have not read The Hidden Beast 2, this book, you have not read this, or you did not go through the 15 series Schofield slideshows that we were doing all summer on Christian prophecy, 
do not read this book. Read this one first, Hidden Beast 2, before you dive into this book. Walid Shubat means well, and he is in the stadium, but he adheres, to, when the book was written in 2010, he was still adhering to the Tim LaHaye left behind version of Christian eschatology, which is actually closely aligned with Islam, not the Bible. So that's my warning to Christians. What we're going to talk about today is largely political. Yes, we're going to be talking about Bible and Islamic prophecy, but it is political. This is politics, whether you believe it or not. We're going to be coming at this from the Islamic point of view. This is something that every American should be being told. You're going to get into the reason Jefferson actually had a Quran. It had nothing to do with Jefferson liking Islam. Jefferson wanted the Quran so he could know his enemy. And he did see Islam as his enemy in the form of the Barbary pirates, which was part of the Ottoman Caliphate. So this is the background that we're in right now. This is directly from his website, Walid Shubat's website, biography of Walid Shubat. He wrote this. For the record, my name is Walid Shubat. I used to be a radicalized Muslim willing to die for the cause of jihad until I converted to Christianity in 1994. As a member of the PLO, I was involved in terror activity and was imprisoned in Jerusalem for three weeks. In prison, I was recruited to plant a bomb in Bethlehem as a result of which, thank God, no one was injured. My mother was an American and my father was a Palestinian Arab. My parents sent me in 1978 to the United States to study at Loop College in Chicago, Illinois. There, I was recruited at Hotel Terror Conference by Jamal Said, a founder of the IAP, Islamic Association of Palestine, and a mom at one of the largest mosques in Chicago. The IAP was a forerunner to today's Hamas terror organization and also to the terror front group CARE, Council for American Islamic Relations. This was in the early 1980s when I was being trained for jihad activities in the U.S. along with many other young foreigners as well as U.S. citizens. The imams were the prime recruiters for terror, terrorism then as they still today, are still today and terror conferences are held all over the U.S. to this day. Here is a link to a sample we have on a video which held in 1989 over 12 years before the 9-11 attacks. You have to go to his website to get that. Today, Jamal said is still the imam of Bridgeview Mosque in Chicago. Based on my eyewitness testimony, he supports terrorism and is a major player in the operations of the jihad movement in the United States of America. Yet he is still free at large. I state the above so you know, Congressman King, my background with firsthand knowledge of the issue. I speak to the American people to warn and educate them about the very great dangers which are very underplayed by both our media and our political leaders. This is from a letter he wrote to Congressman King. It is still today on his website. I took it down yesterday. I copied it yesterday. And this is from walladshubat.com. You now know this man's background, his pedigree. He knows Islam. So he's the one that's actually going to guide us through today's class. And we're going to be reading excerpts largely from his book, 
first of all, he says, how did I do it? This is reference to how he became a Christian and started to understand what was going on. He says, I believe that as you journey into these findings with an open mind, you will find that the facts presented here make more sense than many of the wild and sensational ideas about prophecy that now dominate Western thought. He's talking about how he came to understand biblical prophecy. This man got inside the ballpark all by his little old lonesome, you know, the ball field. He is not sitting inside the baselines. He is out there in the outfield section somewhere, but he's down at ground level. He's not up in the nosebleed cheap seats. He has most of the truth already. He understands the prophetic language. He understands a lot of prophecy. If he got, if we could get him, and I don't know where he's at today, but if he gets that Tim LaHaye left behind thing out of his mind, he'll be sitting behind the catcher with us. It says, when I began my research, I prayed continually for God's guidance. And in this case, he means Yahweh and then followed hermeneutical guidelines. One, I gathered much of the literal prophetic references to build mold for end times events. In other words, he's looking at history, human history. Number two, I apply the literal mold over allegory and symbolism. This will give us an accurate picture of prophecy. He's got that backwards. You should take the spiritual model and put it over the literal fulfillment of those prophecies. But that's okay. That's in my opinion, but it's also how the Bible teaches it. Number three, Follow a strict guideline by obtaining the meaning for all the symbolism in the Bible from the Bible itself. He's got that right, Jack. This is how he gets to where he ends up. He says, what I discovered was shocking. When I compared Islam, its purpose in eschatology with all the prophecies in the Bible, not only did I discover that Islam was the antithesis of the Bible, biblical faith, but that Islam also fits both the literal and allegorical mold. Only after such extensive research is done do we begin to find the perfect match to the Antichrist spirit. I will first present the spirit of Antichrist and compare Islamic prophecies with biblical end times prophecy. Then I will take you on an extensive journey into the literal world of the Bible. Finally, I will apply these to the allegorical books of Daniel and Revelation. The evidence you are about to examine is powerful. Why do I say this is political today? Because what you're about to hear from Walid Shubat, what he's going to tell you about Islam, is being viewed by the Islamic world as fulfillment of Islamic prophecy, encouraging the 12th Imamers, the, 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 the Mahdi people, to continue what they're doing. Now, back when Obama was president, Glenn Beck and a lot of other people were telling you about the 12th Imam. Nobody was listening. They should have been. This was, um, let me share this with you real quick. Put this up. I got to put it this way real quick for you. This is American Thinker. Now, this is October 11th, 2023. Iran and the cult of Mahdi. Somebody at the American Thinker has a memory. Thank God. God is in Yahweh. But they went over the cult of the Mahdi. Ahmadinejad, remember, folks, we're going to cover what's in here in a little more detail in a few minutes. But this is Ahmadinejad in Iran telling us about the Mahdi. You're going to meet the Mahdi in a little bit here. I'm going to explain. Well, Walid's going to explain. Say, so, well, I don't want to know about this Bible prophecy or the Muslim prophecy. I don't care about religion. You dang well better. 
Because if you don't understand what's going on right now, it will run you and your family over and you'll never see what hit you. It'll be as good as invisible because you're just going to be looking at political, physical things in the world. You're never going to understand what's motivating this. When you understand, when you know and understand the Islamic side of what they're seeing and what's motivating them, you'll understand just how much danger the entire world is in. This is not a joke to our enemy. Honor the threat. But before we can honor it, we got to know it. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at some of this. Up to you whether or not you hang with me. Christ fights Muslim nations. This is from his book. It's one of the subtitles. Even among so many Christians who claim to be experts on the subject of prophecy, I find as I question them on so many parts of the Bible, they actually lack understanding of many of the most important portions of biblical prophecy. Most amazing prophecies in the Bible are hardly ever discussed today. He's right about that, Christians. In every portrayal of Christ's return to earth, he is fighting a nation that today is Muslim. Try to imagine how I felt when I read Habakkuk 3, which says that in the last days, God, the only one, Yahweh, would actually come to earth on a mission to execute vengeance on Taman, Arabia, and Kushan, Sudan. Quote, I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. This is Habakkuk. Charlie, Habakkuk? I'd have to see it in Hebrew. Oh, all right. Well, that's 3-7. Here, Christ fights in battles against Arabia, Sudan, and Somalia, all Muslim nations today. He says, I had to ask myself, this is Wallet, if Allah and the God of the Bible are one and the same, why then does the Bible consistently portray God as being on the side of Israel and against the Muslims? See, he actually went and read the Bible like the Quran told him to, and he found out, uh-oh. As the question that I asked earlier, what does the Lord do when he comes riding on the cloud? The answer is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 19. He will come to Egypt to execute vengeance. Quote, see, Jehovah rides on a swift cloud and is coming to Egypt. The idols of Egypt tremble before him, and the hearts of the Egyptians melt within them. Just a quick note. Wallet reads from a King James Bible. So he says Jehovah. Uh, Aaron Spike's coming on the board. A lot of Christians think Gog and Magog war is all about Russia. Yeah, Wallet knows better. We'll get to that. But folks, when he mentions God in here, he's talking about Yahweh. He's very careful with his language. So just so that y'all know, follow with us. Oh, this is important though. What he's telling you is that there will be an end times battle between the God of the Bible and Muslims. This is what Schofield found. This is what we covered yesterday in that article about Islam starting a war with the West. This is what's happening right now today. Everybody's looking for material earthly explanations for all of this. You will not find your answers looking in that playground because they're not there. Your answers are in the spiritual world, in the world of religion. If you don't look there, you will not find it. You might think you have. You are fooling yourself. You have got to look where we're looking today. He continues. He says, I appeal, Wu Shubat appeals to the West. 
Why are no prophecy teachers teaching this? Well, we do teach this here. Allah, the idol of Egypt, and all the crescents on the tops of the mosques will shake and tremble. Indeed, at this point, the world will proclaim, as the song says, there's no God like Jehovah. You might think, oh, well, so what? What is so important about the fact that Jesus will deal with Egypt? He will judge many nations, even the whole world. Just hit the pause button on your Western presuppositions for a while. Again, in Isaiah, I read that, quote, the Lord Jehovah Almighty would lop off the boughs of the great cedar, Antichrist in Wallet's view, with great power, and Lebanon will fall before the mighty one, Isaiah 10, 34. Lebanon will fall. That hasn't happened yet. When I read this in 1993, then I knew that Hezbollah, the party of Allah, would gain a foothold in Lebanon. Hadn't happened yet. Has now. Today, they have infested the whole nation. From a Muslim perspective, members of Hezbollah are faithful and holy warriors who are bent on destroying what they believe to be an evil nation of Israel. Yet the Bible teaches that in the last days, Jesus himself will fight against and destroy these anti-Israel forces from Lebanon. Again, I asked myself, how could the Bible have nailed it so accurately so long ago? However, I cannot deny the fact that the Bible portrays Jesus the Messiah as returning to fight nations that come against Israel. In numerous passages, he actually confronts them by name. Even in Joel 3, where we find the judgment of the nations for dividing Israel, we read, quote, Now what, you what, you now what have you against me, O Tyre, and Sidon, which is Lebanon, and all you regions of Philistia, which is Gaza, are you repaying me for something I have done? If you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own heads what you have done, Joel 3, 4. This fits the pattern of what you see in the world over there in Israel right now. Hezbollah, Lebanon, is threatening to join this fight with Hamas, Gaza, Philistia. Folks, this is not nothing. This is ancient. Do not ignore this. Shubak continues, it couldn't be more clear. It was as if Jesus himself was speaking directly to Hezbollah, Tyre and Sidon, and Hamas, Philistia, and challenging them regarding their bloodlust against the Jewish people. Their fight against Israel is in reality a declaration of war on the king himself. While it says even Western experts don't get it. From this point forward, folks, yellow I want to call your attention to. Green is Islamic teaching. Blue is from the Bible. Green is an Islamic color. Blue is a color of Israel and of, of Yahweh, God. So I've colored it that way intentionally today. Westerners love to bank on Muslims who do not agree with Osama. Osama bin Laden, that is. But what these Western experts fail to realize is that for many of these so-called moderate Muslims, their only disagreement with Osama is his timing. I've told you about this before. Here is my challenge to the West, which I know that no one can refute. Westerners do not understand that when it comes to the Muslim world, even the most, quote-unquote, moderate of Muslims, if they are religious, all believe in the coming of the Mahdi and the establishment of the caliphate to rule the entire globe by changing world laws to adopt the Islamic Sharia. The coming of the Mahdi to religious Muslims is a holy of a, is as holy a belief as the coming of the Messiah to Christians and Jews. To many Muslims, Osama Osama bin Laden has simply acted in haste and did not gain the proper permission from officially sanctioned Islamic jurisprudence 
According to Orthodox Islamic jurisprudence, only a sitting caliph has the authority to declare a global jihad. This is a Muslim, former Muslim telling you this. Thus, to many Muslims, Osama jumped the gun. If you will, he acted in haste. But thinking that someone acted too soon is very different than thinking that what someone did was actually evil. So a lot of your moderate Sunni friends agree with what's been going on. This is an official Islamic meme. Be a good Muslim and await Imam Mahdi. He will declare the global jihad. I've shown you this before. Imam Mahdi. This is Islamic uh, pictures. These are not Christian pictures. These are from Islam. The one man who will unite them all. The Mahdi movement is part of the Islamic world's soul and is a true source of inspiration. It's like uh, Christians waiting for the second coming and Jews waiting for the, you know, what they believe is the first coming of the Messiah. The signs of it, of the Mahdi, have come true. Have come true. Have. Past tense. Therefore, bringing it all, bring it up all the time and will stimulate the Islamic world. This is Muslims encouraging other Muslims to keep talking about the Mahdi. This is what I'm telling you right now. The group we call the Twelvers in the West. The, 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 we in the West call it the cult of the 12th Imam. You might as well call it the cult of the second coming because what the, what that group of people is doing is latching on to what Muhammad is said to have said, said to have prophesied and holding it though is true. Well, if that makes them a cult because they believe there are religious writings that every religion in the world is a cult. I got a little newsflash for you. They don't all fit the definition of cult. Now, 12 Imamers do fit the established definition of a cult. But the problem with this is <laughs> Islam is a false religion. So you got to be careful. Careful, You got to make sure you're comparing apples to apples, not apples to crab apples. They look the same, but guarantee you folks, if you never had a crab apple, they don't taste the same. Be careful with all of this. This is worldly political in nature. You're going to see it before the course of this show is over today. Wallet will tell you, using Muslims' words, Islam's own words, will tell you that this is actually physical politics. This is a struggle for world dominance in the here and now in the physical world. And it's motivated, motivated by these religious teachings. You have got to know these teachings. You have got to understand them. The Mahdi, Wallet says, you can't imagine how I felt when he was still a Muslim. When I read the Bible and found so much that describes the Mahdi, who I had learned so much about growing up, the shock to me was that while a character identical to my Mahdi was seen through the, the pages of the Bible, this character was not called the Mahdi, but rather the Antichrist. Were the prophet of the Bible Islamophobes? After all, the Mahdi to us Sunni Muslims was the rightly guided and awaited one. Shia Muslims refer to him as Sahib Al-Zaman, the Lord of the Age. That's Shahib Al-Zaman is Arabic for the Lord of the Age. Quote, this is exactly what the Bible calls Satan, the Lord of the Age, 2 Corinthians 4.4. This is not coincidence. The Khalifa, according to Islamic tradition, the Mahdi doesn't merely emerge as some vague great religious leader. He will return to reinstate the office of the caliphate. 
Islam directs its followers, quote, if you see him, go and give him your allegiance, even if you have to crawl over ice, because he is the vice regent, the Khalifa of Allah, the Mahdi. And Walid actually gives you footnotes for all of this in his book. For he will pave the way for and establish the government of the family or community of Muhammad. Every believer will be obligated to support him. The caliph. Historically, the caliph is the supreme political, military, and administrative leader of all Muslims worldwide. Church and state, pay attention here. Pay attention. Try to understand it this way. The caliph is essentially the vicar of Muhammad as the pope is the vicar to Christ to Catholics worldwide. The office and government of the caliph is known as the caliphate or the caliphate. It is the only form of government that is fully sanctioned by Islamic jurisprudence. But since 1924, after nearly 14 centuries of divine rule, the office of the caliph was finally abolished by the West. Today, the movement through the Muslim world to reinstate the caliphate is exploding with a force that is volcanic with the mandate to have both seats of the Mahdi and the Caliph in one. Muhammad said, there would be a Caliph in the last period of my Ummah, which is the people of Islam. He would be Imam Mahdi. In other words, this last Khalifa, when he is installed, would be the Mahdi of the end times. Now, what's that got to do with anything, Joe? They're trying to find and seat this guy. If they ever do, the world will explode. And if you know Islamic prophecy, then everything you've been seeing and hearing in the news for the last two and three decades is this stuff coming true to them. They've been seeing one sign after another, after another, after another. They think they're on the right path. They believe we're wrong. I don't, I'm not going to argue for the Bible today. I'm telling you what Islam believes. And I'm telling you it is motivating them to wage war on the world. Islam is going to attack Israel. And in the process, who they're really after is the United States of America. And they say so. They say so. They think that Israel is a puppet of the United States. That's because they recognize that the house of Judah in the nation of Israel is the lesser of the two brides. The greater, the house of Israel under Ephraim is currently seated in the United States of America. This is spiritual geography. This is, this is spiritual warfare. This is not your materialistic world. If you try to understand this materialistically, you will not get it. But in this case, what Wallet is telling us is that everything I've tried to teach you about biblical prophecy is supported by Islam when they deny it. By denying it and pointing it back at themselves, they're admitting, yes, it exists, it's true, but you've got the wrong source. You got, you're looking in the wrong direction. This is why Wallet said that Islam is Antichrist. It's the antithesis of the Bible. Case in point, the Muslim Jesus. Yes, Jesus is in Islam. The second most important Muslim end times character is Isa al-Masih, the Muslim Jesus. 
The Islamic narrative regarding Jesus is drastically different from the historical and biblical Jesus. The Jesus of Islam is in no way a savior or a redeemer. He is merely more, one more prophet out of a long line of prophets sent by Allah. The special title of Messiah, although retained in the Islamic tradition, actually is void of any true biblical messianic qualities. According to Islam, Jesus will not restore the nation of Israel to the Jewish people, nor will Jesus' purpose be to save and deliver his faithful followers from the ongoing persecution of the Antichrist. In Islam, Jesus comes back as a radical Muslim to lead the Muslim armies to abolish Christianity and slaughter the Jews. As ironic and as perverted as that may sound, this is exactly what fundamental Muslims throughout the world believe and are, waiting, are awaiting. Are apocalyptic Christians behind this doctrine as well? He's commenting there because a lot of people think that Christians are bringing all this apart, you know, trying to force the coming of the Messiah, you know, Jesus to come back under Christian ideas. It's actually Islam that's trying to force that. That's what he's trying to show us. Now, this is where it gets very interesting, folks. You might think this is all just religious. You pay attention to some of what he's telling you. This has got real material world ramifications. 43 similarities between the Mahdi and the biblical Antichrist. Now, before we get going, I've said before, there is no one figure in the Bible called the Antichrist. That person does not exist. John, the apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelations, tells you, Antichrist is a spirit. Now, Walid sees Antichrist in the Bible. He's following the Tim LaHaye left behind I eschatology of you know biblical prophecy. So he thinks that there will be an incarnate Antichrist person. There is a military leader who comes against Israel in the end. That is probably the Mahdi, the, the figure of the Mahdi. And, and Walid's getting them confused. But as we're about to go through this, you'll see that he's a little confused because he's on the right track. He's got the rabbit, but he keeps, he's a good hunt coon dog, but he's chasing after the, the circle backs that the fox or the coon or the rabbit keeps making to confuse him. He's still on trail though. And by this, what I mean is when you see what he's about to explain to you, it is all of the spirit of Antichrist, but he jumps around. Sometimes he says, well, this applies to Muhammad. This applies to the Mahdi. This is Islam. Well, if he'd have stuck to the spiritual prince behind this, the prince who is to come, like Schofield told us, if Wallet had stuck with that, all of this would make better sense. Pay attention, though, just to the similarities. What you're looking here is for the rhyme. Don't get caught up in trying to put detail to detail. Don't do that. Pay attention to the rhymes that he's about to show us, the rhyme with the Bible to Islam. First, both deny the Trinity and the cross. The Quran clearly denies the Trinity. Quote, they blaspheme who say that Allah is the third of three. Quran 573. If the Bible affirms the Trinity, even in the Old Testament, he says, quote, come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, I was there. And now the Lord God, that is Yahweh Elohim, and his spirit have sent me. This is Messiah speaking in Isaiah 48, 16. So you have, I don't care how you want to describe this, what you have is a triune Godhead right there. Yahweh Elohim and his spirit have sent me Messiah. Amazingly, in one verse we, we see, this is the Bible again, quote, from the time that it was, from the beginning was the word, I was there, meaning that this is the Messiah talking. 
And this is Jesus, the real Messiah, talking biblical Messiah. And now the Lord God, Yahweh Elohim, the Father, and his spirit, the Holy Spirit, have sent me the Son. Yet the Quran calls this blasphemy. What is more amazing is that the context of Isaiah 48 is a confrontation between Yahweh, God Yahweh, and the harlot of Babylon, Lady of Kingdoms. This harlot is definitely anti-Trinity. Both deny the Father and the Son. Doctrinally, Islam and the Antichrist spirit are in perfect agreement because both deny the Trinity and the divine sonship of Christ. And the Bible describes, quote, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. Whoever denies the reality of the Trinity and the fact that Jesus is the Son of God embodies the spirit of Antichrist, period. That's Wallad talking there. We have shown you before on the Dome of the Rock Mosque, sitting on the Temple Mount on the outside writing, it says, blasphemy he who says that Allah should have a son. It is a declaration of Antichrist. It is the denial of the sonship of, the, of Jesus, the Messiah of the Bible, and it's the denial that he is divine. It is literally a blasphemy on the outside of that building, standing on top of the Temple Mount, which is the footstool of Yahweh, the God of the Bible. I hope y'all are going to be able to keep track of this as I bounce back and forth. I know it can be confusing, especially if you're not steeped into the biblical you know, teachings, but this is what Islam believes and teaches, and it's going to get worse. So hang with me as we keep going. Growing up, this is Walid, growing up, I was always taught that when Jesus returns, he will declare himself to be a Muslim. He will deny all claims of being God or the son of God, meaning Yahweh, and lead many Christians to convert to Islam. Regarding those who do not convert to Islam, the Quran states that Jesus will be a witness against them on the day of judgment. Quote, there is not one of the people of the scripture, Christian and Jews, but will believe in him before his death. And on the day of resurrection, he will be a witness against them. The Quran 4.159. Muslim scholars explain that the phrase, will believe in him before his death, means that Christians and Jews will, quote, confirm that he is alive and has not died, and he is not God or the Son of God, but merely his, meaning Allah's, slave and messenger, and Isa, which is Jesus, will testify against those who called him the Son of God. That is the essence of Antichrist. Arctic tortoise comment on the board. So if you do not believe in God, then you are part of the Antichrist. According to the Bible, yes. And if you do not believe in Allah, they say you're part of Antichrist. Tortoise just hit on something. I don't know if he realizes this or not. I've told you, you have to choose one or the other. You just read from a former Muslim telling you that between the Bible and Islam, they both tell you, you must choose one or the other. The Bible says you either stand with Yahweh in his kingdom or you are against him, no matter where you're at. Atheist, Hindu, it doesn't matter. Islam tells you that you are either against, you know, you're either with Islam or you're against Islam. Islam is an antichrist religion. These two are diametrically opposed to each other. This is matter and antimatter. They cannot coexist. And this is where this pre-tribulation Tim LaHaye left behind is so dangerous. Yes. 
because they are very likely to be deceived by this Muslim Isa and be converted to Islam. Islam in the process. Yes. That's what is so Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. Oh boy. Keep y- yeah, you 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 do not understand what the Muslims we've not met I'm not saying there's nobody in the audience that doesn't know this. But for the I'm talking in broad stroke. The West is not taught about this. The only reason I found out about it is I read Islam's own documents. I have to know the enemy. I need to share this with you all today. This is not something to be ignored. This is driving your politics in this world today. Both the Mahdi and the biblical Antichrist are blasphemous. Islam denies the sun. This denial is found several times throughout the Quran. The following is all quotes from the Quran. Quote, quote, in blasphemy indeed are those that say that God is the Christ, the son of Mary. Quran 517. They said, the most gracious has begotten a son. You have uttered a gross blasphemy. The heavens are about to shatter. The earth is about to tear asunder and mountains are about to crumble because they claim that the most gracious has begotten a son. It is not befitting the most gracious that he should beget a son. Quran 1988 through 92. The Christians call Christ the son of Allah. This is saying from their mouth. In this, they both imitate the, what the unbelievers of old used to say. Allah's curse be on them, how they are deluded away from the truth. Quran 9.30. Islam denies the cross. With tears in his eyes, the apostle Paul warned the Thessalonians that, quote, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippians 3.18. The church father Polycarp of Smyrna, a disciple of the Apostle John, also linked a denial of the cross to the Antichrist spirit in no uncertain terms when he said that, quote, everyone who does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is an Antichrist. Whoever does not confess the testimony of the cross is of the devil. Such a one is the firstborn of Satan. It should not come as a surprise then that Islam also denies the most central event of all redemptive history, the crucifixion of Jesus. This is the Quran, quote, that they said in boast, we killed Christ and Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made to appear to them, and those who differ therein are full of doubts, with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow, for as surety they killed him not. Nay, Allah raised him up unto himself, and Allah is exalted in power and wise. Quran 4, 157-8. They deny the cross, they deny the sonship. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist are called deceiver. Amazingly, all such unsavory descriptions of Satan are easily found scattered throughout the Quran. More detail later. But I will start with the most damning reference. Allah's bragging by calling himself Kairul Makirin, which literally means the greatest of all deceivers, Quran 354. And it says he refers to himself such title in the Quran 8, 30, 27, 50, 13, 42, 10, 21, 14, and 46, 43, 79, 86, blah, 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 blah. Calls himself the greatest of deceivers. That's a name of Satan in the Bible. Both claim to be Messiah. Mahdi and the Antichrist will claim to be Messiah. Both kingdoms suffer a head wound. The Antichrist's kingdom and the caliphate. Today, the caliphate exists only in the desires of hundreds of millions of Muslims worldwide who want to revive the the beast that was slain on March 3rd, 1924. 
the last caliphate, the Ottoman Caliphate, was officially abolished by the first president of the Turkish Republic, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk. The abolition of the caliphate is profoundly significant for our study. For it was on this day that the Islamic Empire, led by a sitting caliph for over 1,400 years, suffered a fatal head wound. The position of that head of state of the Islamic Empire was severed. This is a spiritual head wound. The head of their kingdom, their kingship, their caliphate, their khalifa. You pay attention to Turkey. We're going to get to that before the end of this show. I hope. Turkey is important to the Muslims. It's central in their thinking. Both work false miracles. The similarities between the Mahdi and the Antichrist here are clear. Islamic traditions even confirm this. Quote, Allah will give him power over the wind and the rain, and the earth will bring forth its foliage. He will give away wealth profusely. Flocks will be in abundance, and the Ummah, the empire of Islam, will be large and honored. This is from the Quran. Antichrist is said to produce all kinds of false miracles, while the Mahdi is said to have supernatural control over nature. This is yet another clear parable to add the probability chart, but don't put parallel to add to the probability chart. He says, but don't put your pencil away just yet. We've just begun. Both the Mahdi and the uh, Antichrist ride a white horse. Stop right here real quick. The Antichrist only rides the white horse in the Tim LaHaye left behind version of eschatology. I firmly believe, and I think I can make the case that the one riding the white horse is Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua the biblical Messiah. But this is important because it still fits while it is still in the ballpark. This is just a case of the Mahdi claiming for himself that which belongs to the Messiah of the Bible. What might be shocking to the Western biblical prophecy analysts is that Islam even confirms what is written in scripture regarding Antichrist, who is described in Revelation 19.11 as riding on a white horse, being none other than the Imam Mahdi. The early Muslim transcriptions of the Prophet Muhammad's Hadith, the sayings of Muhammad, Kabbalah and Ashabar, confirms this. Quote from the Hadith, I find that Mahdi recorded in the books of the prophets. For instance, the book of Revelation says, And I saw and behold a white horse. He that sat on him went forth conquering and to conquer. They see that as the Mahdi. Egyptian authors Muhammad bin Izat of Muhammad, Arif, then goes on to say, this is another quote from the Hadith, it is clear that this man, the Mahdi, who will ride the white horse and judge by the Quran with justice and with whom will be men with mark of prostration on their foreheads. They see that figure in the Bible as the Mahdi. This is that picture I showed you yesterday. This is all the places in the Bible. Many of them refer to Jesus in the Bible, the biblical Jesus. They see this as referring to their Mahdi. So Islam has split Jesus of the Bible into two people, their Isa Jesus and their Mahdi, you know, and they're both, they needed two people to equal the biblical Jesus is what it comes down to. But they see the Bible affirming their beliefs. And that's, that's Muslim artwork right there. Rider on the white horse, Jesus kills with a sword, but he's also got the bow and then the arrows would be Ephraim. Oh, folks, both the Mahdi and the Antichrist, or the prince who is to come, will attempt to change the law. The Mahdi fits the bill. He will attempt to change the law by instituting Islamic Sharia law as far as he is able to do so. Who else other than a Muslim would desire to change the times and the laws? 
Every Islamic activist organization is crying Islam to the world. What does this mean? It means they want Islam to replace everything, worship, law, even the calendar. This activism already exists in every nation of the world. Behind all the masks, they all desire to replace non-Islamic legal systems with Islamic Sharia law and replace every constitution with constitution of the caliphate. Why do Muslims not establish this calendar from the time that Islam was founded in Mecca? The answer to this is crucial. They, their calendar doesn't start from that point. The Islamic dating system began from the time of the conquest of Medina. The Islamic calendar testifies to the paramency of a hijra, that, that's the migration, by setting year one from the date of its occurrence. The year of the hijra, 622 AD, is considered more significant than the year of Muhammad's date of birth or his death or that of the first Quranic revelation, because Islam is the first and foremost political military enterprise. It was only when Muhammad left Mecca with his paramilitary band did Islam achieve its proper political military articulation. The years of the Islamic calendar, which employ lunar months, are designated in English, A-H, or after Hijra. The Muslim calendar is viewed as being mandatory for all to observe. It is considered a divine command to use Hijra calendar with 12 purely lunar months without intercalation, as uh, evident from the Holy Quran. This is this spirit of changing the times and the law. This is one of the reasons I told you look for the spiritual first and then look for the physical reflections. The Roman Catholic Church has changed the times and the law. The, the, the Protestants have changed the times and the law. Islam has changed the times and the law. Rome changed the times and the law. It all depends on what you're looking at when you talk about law and times. The Bible means Torah and Mohadim, means the teachings of Yahweh and his set-appoint times, his Sabbaths. But we see this reflection in everywhere in our, in our culture. We see it in culturally reflected. So he thinks it's going to be, okay, well, we're going to go from the Torah to the, the Sharia law, and we're going to go from biblical calendar to the Sharia calendar. It fits the spiritual pattern. That's why I told you, look for the spiritual first, then the physical later. This is all important, folks. This is happening in your country right now. They're doing this right now in the United States of America. And you're worried about progressives and behind the scenes, the progressives who think they have the Muslims in, in under control are allowing Islam to make these changes and you're not seeing it. You, you do realize most of your public schools have to eat halal now, right? You know that, right? That's a fulfillment of these prophecies according to Islam. Both deny women's rights. Islam is misogynistic, man. They are, it, Muhammad was hateful of women. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist rule over 10 entities. Pay attention to this one. This fits a pattern. You'll see this pattern in many ways. After the Antichrist comes to power, the Bible says he will rule over 10 other kings who will turn their authority over to him. The 10 horns you, this is a quote from the Bible, the 10 horns you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have but one purpose to give their power and authority to the beast, Revelation 17, verses 12 through 13. In 2002, a plan for the reestablishment of the caliphate was written by Abu Qanit al-Shafira al-Hazani. 
a guiding helper foundation entitled the plan for the return of the caliphate. According to this plan, the caliph would be assisted in his rule by a 10 member council of assistant caliphs. These assistants or council members are similar to ministers in many of today's governments. In 2007, Al Qaeda in Iraq was busy attempting to establish its own caliphate as in Hassani's plan for the caliphate. So also does Al-Qaeda set in place 10 ministers that who are told will rule under the coming caliph in Iraq. A Sunni insurgent coalition in Iraq announced Monday the appointment of an education minister to the group's so-called 10-member Islamic cabinet set up in April to challenge the Iraqi government. There's a citation there. He gives you the quote where you can go find this. This, What's important here is that Islam is pushing to establish the caliphate in a manner that reflects biblical prophecy that was written 2,750 years ago. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist are sources of death and war. In Daniel 11, 37 through 38, we find an almost perfect summary of Islam. There we read about the Antichrist's empire's attempt to establish its law, honor a warlike God, dishonor women's rights, and encourage the Islamic zakat obligatory alms for jihad with gold and silver all in one concise passage this amazing passage alone should be enough to convince the most hardened skeptic that the bible prophesied the coming of islam as one who gives his allegiance to this war god the antichrist like his father the devil is portrayed as one who causes death and destruction in the bible satan is described as the one that possesses quote the power of death that is the devil hebrews 2 4 Yet in the Quran, we find one title for Allah is Al-Mamit. It is the name that is counted among the 99 beautiful names of Allah. It literally means the one who possesses the power of death or causer of death, the slayer, and the taker of life or the destroyer of life. This is the second time that Allah claims a name of the devil of Satan from the Bible. This title of Allah is nearly identical to the title that is given to Satan in the book of Revelation. Quote, they, the demons, had as a king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, the destroyer, and in Greek, Apollyon, Revelation 9-11. What else do Satan and Allah have in common? Nearly every time the Bible speaks about the Antichrist, it perfectly fits the spirit of Islam. Keep reading, you'll see. Both use military force. Both honor the God with gold and silver. Honor their God with gold and silver. In the Bible, the Antichrist dedicates gold and silver to his war god. Quote, instead of them, he shall honor the god of forces, war, and God whom his fathers knew not, shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Daniel 11.38 One of the five main obligatory pillars of Islam is for every Muslim to pay zakat by giving one-fifth of their income, their gold and their silver, to honor and advance the cause of Allah. This is a quote from the Quran. Zakat is for the poor and the needy and to free the captives and the debtors and for the cause of Allah and for the wayfarers, the duty imposed by Allah. Allah is omniscient, most wise, Quran 960. This is not only for the poor, but it is a tax to expand the rule of Allah. In fact, the Quran admonishes Muslims regarding the zakat. Quote, and those who hoard up gold and silver and do not spend them in the cause of Allah promises them a painful punishment. One day that treasure will be heated up in the fire of hell and the foreheads, their sides and their backs will be branded with it. This is the treasure that you hoarded up for yourselves. 
Now taste what you have heard. Quran 9, 34 through 35. You need to understand that the cause of Allah is an Islamic uh, way of saying jihad. It's it's in the it's in the Quran. It's a there's a lot of things in the Bible that are concepts that are said in different ways. The cause of Allah is jihad. So they are told, and trust me, if I want to teach you this, I can I can break out the good old Quran here. See in my hand right there? And I can show you that that's exactly what it means. I can go back to the road to Concord and we'll look up the hadith and we'll really show you that that's what it means, where Muhammad says it. So if you doubt me, email me. I'll give you all the support you need. But cause of Allah is jihad. Comment on the board from John Deere 8000. Public schools have to eat. I didn't understand. The public schools have to eat halal. In a lot of places in the United States, Muslims have, have had the laws passed, so they have to eat halal. Halal is the Islamic version of kosher. In other words, the food that our children are eating in those schools has been blessed by an Islamic imam. And it has to be clean, Islamic version of clean. That is part of Sharia. You can eat kosher as a Jew and not be part of the law of the people. It's, 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 it's part of the law of Torah, but it doesn't necessarily have to apply to everybody. Sharia doesn't work that way. When Sharia gets its nose under the tent, it applies to everybody, whether you like it or not. So careful with all this stuff, folks. Real quick, a few more of these real fast before we go to the break. Both honor a God of war and advance his glory through war, the Mahdi and the Antichrist. Both condone rape. And both usher in a seven-year peace treaty. We'll get through this, and then we'll go to break. One Islamic tradition places the ascendancy of the Mahdi at a time of final peace agreement between the Arabs and the Romans. Romans should be interpreted here as referring to Christians or more generally the West. Although this peace agreement is made with the Romans, it is said to be mediated specifically through a Jew from the priestly lineage of Aaron. The peace agreement will be made for a period of seven years. Uh, this is a, some Rasul Aha Muhammad said, Muhammad said this, there, quote, there will be four peace agreements between you and the Romans, the Christians. The fourth agreement will be mediated through a person who will be from the progeny of Hadrat Harun, the Honorable Aaron, Moses' brother, and will be upheld for seven years. Another hadith speaks of the reign of the Mahdi this way. He will divide the property and will govern the people by the Sunnah of their prophet and establish Islam on earth. He will remain seven years, then die, and the Muslims will pray over him. The Mahdi will fill the earth with equity and justice as it was filled with oppression and tyranny, and it will, he will rule for seven years. All right. I know that in the Tim LaHaye left behind version, we see the seven year and then it's broke in the middle. It's, it's not what you're thinking. It's, it's not what most Christians have been taught. We've covered that before in, in previous classes. The point here though, is that the same spirit behind the Tim LaHaye left behind understanding of biblical prophecy, that's a spirit of deception. Well, that same spirit is behind what's going on with Islam. And they're gonna have this seven year peace treaty. If you understand Islamic prophecy, that treaty will be made by a bunch of corrupt, what, what Islam considers corrupt Muslims. You know, just like you're not a good black person in America if, if you join the system, you're an Uncle Tom. Well, Islam's a lot the same way. Unless you're doing things really the militant way, you're not a good Muslim. Well, you just had a peace treaty very similar to this that sealed everything. Remember we were talking about the Abrahamic Accords last week? 
that peace treaty brought the rest of most Muslim nations into peace with Israel, which would have meant the whole Islamic world had a peace treaty with Israel. That's in Islamic prophecy. That's the sign of that last treaty that Muhammad was just talking about. So Islam saw that treaty, which was just signed not too long ago, a couple of years ago. They saw that treaty as being fulfillment of prophecy. So it's time to go to war with, with uh, Israel and start the final battles and, and the Mahdi is going to come out and they're going to be victorious and Islam's going to rule the world. This stuff is governing your world today. It's driving it. And we're not even close to done. Don't go away. It gets better. Six minutes. See you then.
I see poor Road Dog says that I've been feeding you a lot to take in. Road Dog. But wait, there's more. <laughs> it's I'm worse having... than that, Jim. Yeah, it's worse than that, Jim. He's dead. I'm sorry, folks. I'm having a good time today because this is something that I've known about for a long time. I finally get to share it with people who actually want to hear it. All right. We're going to get right back at it because we got a high step. We're only halfway through the day. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist destroy by peace. While it says, if you don't believe that anyone could be blatantly uh, subversive, then consider this. In May of 1994, Yasser Arafat addressed a group of Muslims in Johannesburg, South Africa. What Arafat did not know was that he was being secretly recorded. At that time, things were looking really good for the Middle East peace process. Many felt as though tensions were winding down, but Arafat revealed the truth when he spoke of the ongoing jihad to liberate Jerusalem. Those Israelis who had trusted Arafat's previous promises of peace and goodwill were shocked. But even more damning were Arafat's references to the Treaty of Hadibia, whatever that is, Hudabaya, referring to the peace agreement that he had only recently made with Israel, Arafat said, quote, I see this agreement as being no more than the agreement signed between our prophet Muhammad and Quraysh in Mecca. The prophet had been right to insist on the agreement for it helped him defeat Quraysh and take over the city of Mecca. In a similar spirit, we now accept the peace agreement, but only in order to continue on the road to Jerusalem. You need a history lesson. Muhammad was not strong enough to beat the people in Mecca. They were whooping up on his little forces. So he signed a peace treaty with them. And then when he got strong enough, he slayed their throats in the middle of the night. He broke the treaty by attacking them when they thought they were at peace. This is a pattern with Islam. You cannot make a peace treaty with a Muslim unless you're a Muslim. In which case, according to Muhammad, you don't need a peace treaty. Anybody, any non-Muslim that is negotiating with Muslims is an idiot, does not know what they're doing. Anybody, period. They are commanded to never make a treaty for more than 10 years. They cannot keep a peace treaty with you for more than 10 years or they become apostates and then other Muslims will come kill them. That's commanded by Muhammad. It's in the Hadith. Go to the road to concord.com. Type in Hadith, H-A-D-I-T-H, in the search engine, and just start reading. Good time. Good luck. I'll keep you busy for a while. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist break treaties. Both love war and booty. The Quran even contains an entire chapter entitled Al-Anfal, which translates as the booty or the spoils of war. It was there. It, 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 it was there actually during the famous Battle of Badr. The Muhammad allegedly received a revelation that his soldiers were allowed to keep all the war booty for themselves. It, but they got to give 20% to Muhammad for the poor. Quote from the Quran And know that out of all the booty that ye may acquire in war, a fifth share is assigned to Allah and to the Messenger and to near relatives, orphans, and the needy in the wayfarer. Quran 841. But this is when. Islam started to grow when you told all the poor Arabs in that time and place and in, in that part of the world in that time in history that, hey, you can just keep four-fifths of what you steal. And if you die in the process, you go to heaven. It worked. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist desire world domination. 
The Bible teaches that the Antichrist will strive for complete world domination. The Apostle John informs us that in the last days, quote, power will be given to him over all peoples and tongues and nations, Revelation 13, 7. This is confirmed by the Jewish tradition as well. Quote, he will deceive the whole world into believing that he is God and will reign over the entire world. Now, if you think that this is a man, you're looking for one thing. If you realize this is a spirit, then things start looking very differently to you if you're a Bible believer. While it continues, what the Bible warns us of is exactly what Islam is. The renowned Muslim scholar, uh, Maulana Saeed Abdul Allah Mawadadidi from the Indian subcontinent stated, quote, Islam is not a normal religion like the other religions in the world. And Muslim nations are not like normal nations. Muslim nations are very special because they have a command from Allah to rule the entire world and to be over every nation in the world. Um, actually, Christians are told to do the same thing, just in a different way. Go make disciples of the nations. Make a spiritual kingdom. Allah wants to make that spiritual kingdom physical. Quote from this other Muslim, he says, Islam is a revolutionary faith that comes to destroy any government made by man. Islam doesn't look for a nation to be in a better condition than any other nation. Islam doesn't care about the land or who owns the land. The goal of Islam is to rule the entire world and submit all of mankind to the faith of Islam. Any nation or power that gets in the way of this goal, Islam will fight and destroy. In order to fulfill that goal, Islam can use every power available, every way it can be used to bring worldwide revolution. This is jihad. Folks, the guy who wrote that's a Sunni, not a Shia. He's just waiting for the Mahdi to come along. And as soon as the Mahdi says, go, they often run it. If you think this doesn't govern your world today, you are wrong. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist lead a Turkish-Iranian invasion. Eyeballs, ah, snap, ears, pay attention. Wally, it says, but the pertinent aspect of the tradition of the black flags is that the two nations that are specified that will accompany the Mahdi are both Turkey and Iran. Abdul Rahman al-Waldebi, whatever his name is, in the days of the wrath states, the final quote, the final battle will be waged by the Muslim faithful coming on the backs of horses carrying black banners. They will stand in the east side of the Jordan River and will wage war that the earth has never seen before. The true Messiah, who is the Islamic Mahdi, will defeat Europe, will lead the army of the Seljurks, the Turks. He will preside over the world with Jerusalem because Mecca will have been destroyed. The Turks Empire, where Turks that precede the Ottoman Empire, it uh, convert, covered the region of Turkey, northern Iran, Syria, Iraq, southern Caucasus, and Azerbaijani. Many Islamic scholars believe that the Mahdi will lead an army of Turks and will rule out of Israel. Expounding on the tradition of the black banners, the so-called moderate Sheikh uh, Kabani, the darling of many conservative Americans, states that the armies will come from the region of Iran. Hadith indicates that black flags coming from the area of Khorasan, Iran, will signify that the appearance of the Mahdi is near, nigh. Khorasan is in today's Iran, and some scholars have said that this Hadith means when the black flags appear from Central Asia, i.e. in the direction of Khorasan, Iran, then the appearance of the Mahdi is imminent. Folks, he, Walid, in his book, does something for us that we don't pay attention to. He's got several chapters on what's been going on in Turkey. 
in the earlier parts of this century, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Turkey is now Islamic again. Head wound has been healed. And Turkey has been aligning with Hezbollah in Lebanon and has been helping the Islamic forces in Syria and Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan. So if you are a faithful Muslim, especially Shia, and you look at that, you see that Turkey is moving back in the direction that your prophecy requires for the Mahdi to show up. So the world is doing exactly what your prophecy says it's supposed to do. All of this is going to convert you to Islam, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Pay attention to what Walid is telling you. The Bible has this one right. This is what I've shown you before. The black flags from Khorasan. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist will be exalted as God. As a Muslim, I had always argued that the idea of Jesus being God was utter blasphemy since the Muslim viewpoint, Jesus was only a man. But I couldn't see the hypocrisy of my own beliefs. Islam teaches that the angel Muhammad encountered is the Holy Spirit. Could anything be more transparently blasphemous? Also calls that angel Gabriel. Whenever you read Muslim literature in English, you will always see the acronym PBUH, which stands for Peace Be Upon Him, following Muhammad's name. But this translation is misleading and inaccurate. In Arabic, the phrase translates as PBH, is, and he gives you the Arabic words here. It means the prayers and salutations of Allah be upon him. <laughs> Salah Allahu means Allah prayed. How could Allah pray upon Muhammad? It also tells Allah to bless Muhammad in the Quran too. The classic Quranic commentator uh, cor uh, corroborates this. He says, in the Arabic language, and gives this guy's name, uh, Kathin, Ibn Kathin or whatever. He says, in the Arabic language, the basic meaning of salah is supplication. In religious terminology, salah is used to refer to the act of bowing down and prostrating. So Allah needs to prostrate himself to Muhammad. So why do Muslims leave out the fact that the word prayer is present in the phrase? Because the phrase that is repeated by millions of Muslims every day actually means that Allah himself bows down and prays to Muhammad. This same phrase is even found in the Quran. Allah and his angels pray upon the prophet. O ye who believe, pray upon him and uh, salute him with a worthy salutation. Quran 3356. Muhammad is the center of praise both in heaven and on earth. Quote, he, Allah, has subjected to you, Muhammad, whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on earth. Quran 4512. Yet despite these entirely blasphemous claims, it is the Muslim who endlessly accuses Christians of blasphemy. In the exaltation of Muhammad to the place that only Christ or God could occupy, we see the hypocritical and Luciferian nature of Islam. While Lucifer desires to be like God, so also has Islam exalted created beings, both demons and false prophets alike, to the place of God. But why must Muhammad exalt himself as God? Um, part of what you have right there, that, that was a self-defeating citation. That, that passage right there defeats uh, Islam itself. Muhammad defeated Muhammad in those passages in the Quran. Not that it matters. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist will ascend to heaven. Desiring to imitate Christ as he ascended to heaven, this fallen star was the same one which, according to the Quran, transported Muhammad from the Al-Haram Mosque in Mecca to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the furthest mosque in Jerusalem. In the Mishkatu Ibashin Ibasabihi, I can't pronounce these words, folks. I'm sorry. 
Muhammad described his ascent through the seven heavens into the icy presence of many veiled Allah. This journey has come to be known as the whatever, the, the uh, night journey, Muhammad's night journey. The Al-Aqsa Mosque didn't exist at this time. So Muhammad had a dream of something that didn't exist. According to the claim, Allah ordered Jibreel to go down. This is a flying... Um, have you ever seen um, The Endless Story or the, the story that never ends? You know, this is a song that never ends, whatever that movie is. That flying dog thing, that's a Jibreel. It's also a, a Barak. It's ordered him to go down 70,000 with angels to Muhammad and uh, stand by his door. Allah, Muhammad's Lord, um, ordered these angels to summon Muhammad and accompany him to uh, Allah's presence. And according to the tale, Muhammad, Muhammad was awakened in the night by an angel who, who sat Muhammad on a strange creature called an al-Barak, or the lightning bolt. Every Barak had a crown on its forehead inscribed with the words, There is no God, only Allah. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, whatever. Arise, my master, and prepare yourself, cried the Barak. So these things talk right on the back of the Barak and the heavenly creature. And he goes up to heaven and all this other stuff. I don't need to read that one right there. But the, the part of this is, this is the only Islamic claim to Jerusalem because Muhammad had a dream. That's Islam's claim to Jerusalem. That's their official claim to Jerusalem. Muhammad had a dream. Okay. Say, so, well, it was a prophecy. Well, Muhammad himself says he's not a prophet. That's in the Quran. Muhammad says he's not a prophet. It's in the Hadith. So if you're not a prophet and you had a dream, how the heck does that give you claim to Jerusalem? Okay, uh, he, he's not a prophet, but Allah prays to him. I'm yep. confused. Well, I've told you before that this is a hot mess, have I not? Yes. Okay, well. It's just, okay. You're starting to understand, folks, what I've been to. I know, I don't bring this to everybody. Most people are like, oh, I don't want to listen to all this crap. You have to. Today, you have to. With the events of the world today, you'd better. My screen all froze up there. There, there we go. But with the events of today, you better be listening. This is driving your world. Whether you want to acknowledge this or not, you can sit there and be the little girl in their skimpy clothes going, the monster's not going to eat me. Good luck with that. This monster will eat you. Yeah, if you're confused, that's all right. I get it. You got every right to be. Both the Mahdi... to this one Tawus al-Malakia the peacock of the angels as described by the annals of Islam is the name that Islamic tradition gives to Muhammad's heavenly transport that supposedly carried Muhammad into the seven heaven and then ordered him to rule over all of mankind and the multitudes of demons and we're having internet issues I wonder why yeah we're over the target God in the Bible addresses Satan with quote you had the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty Ezekiel 28 12 this description is identical to the angel Muhammad encountered and described in the Quranic chapter of the star. The chapter is named the star. Quote, one mighty in power and one endured with wisdom. Quran 56, 5 and 6. Is this a coincidence? Rhymes, people. I told you, look for rhymes. Even the precious stones mentioned with regard to this angelic heavenly transport Al-Barat seem to fit with the written scriptures regarding Satan. Quote, his color was that of a peacock whose plumage was set with red rubies and corals on which sat a white head of musk on a neck of amber. His ears and shoulders were of pure white pearls attached with golden chains, each chain decorated with glittering jewels. 
His saddle was made of silk lined with silver and gold threads, and his back was covered with green emerald, and his halter was pure peridot. This is the Barak, the thing he rode, the creature that Muhammad rode. What Walid Shubat is getting at here is all the jewels that adorn Satan in Ezekiel. In the, I think it's Ezekiel, the description of Satan. He's a jeweled, encrusted, angelic being. They mirror each other. This is the rhymes. What, what you have going on here, if you're a Bible believer, is you have Satan, the prince who is to come, or whichever demonic being that prince who is to come is, taking the true biblical teachings and throwing it into Islam. And I'm sure that when Charlie stops and looks back on this show, he's also going to find echoes in his old previous faith as well. Both are beings of light, the Mahdi and the Antichrist. The root word of Barak, Muhammad's spirit guide, or BRQ, which means lightning bolt or glowing light. The Bible describes Lucifer as a burning like a torch or a lamp, Revelation 8.10. This is exactly what the Quran describes Allah as, a lamp. Allah and the Quran dedicated chapter to Al-Nur, the light, as the most significant description of Allah. So in this chapter of the Quran called the light, quote, Allah is the light of the heavens and earth. Likeness of his light is like a niche in which a lamp is a lamp and the lamp is in a glass. And the glass is as it were a brightly shining star lit from the blessed olive tree, neither eastern nor western, whose oil is nigh luminous through fire scarce tort touched it. The light upon light, Allah does not guide whom he will to his light. Allah sets forth parables for men and knows all things. Quran, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm being a little dismissive of the Quran, folks. I, I do not believe in it, but it is here. This is light of the heavens and brightly shining star of luminous or satanic titles of Lucifer, literally mean the luminous one. Satan desires to be the bright shining star. If you were a Bible, if you're a Bible believer and you heard this, like not only is it the lamp, but notice that it also mentions the olive tree and oil. This is all biblical language, folks. That's been turned on its head. Remember, the Bible was written a thousand years plus before the Quran. Both the, the Mahdi and the Antichrist are pride-filled. Out of the sinful and evil behaviors the Bible condemns, pride tops them all. The Quran, on the other hand, considers, oh, whatever, considers al-Mutak uh, Abir, which literally means the most proud one or the one filled with pride. It's one of the 99 beautiful names of Allah. Describing how important pride is to Allah, he even cloaks himself with it. Quote, pride is my wear. Supremacy is my dress. I will break anyone who vies me, and for them I do, I do not care. This is from the Quran. Also, quote, glory be to the one who rightfully deserves to be called the most proud. He is Allah. Also from the Quran. However, such attire is an abomination to God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, says, quote, I will punish the king of Assyria, the Antichrist, for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes, Isaiah 10, 12. Just as Allah links himself with pride, God links pride as the main behavior of the imposter and the gravest adversary, Satan. Quote, son of man, say to the ruler of Tyree, the Antichrist figure in this, according to uh, Walid, he says, this is what the Jehovah, the sovereign says, in the pride of your heart, you say, I am. Ezekiel 28.2. Both are lords of this world and the underworld. Another title of Allah, Malek Rab al-Alamin, means the lord of the worlds. 
that is this world and the underworld. Quote, O Allah, the Lord of the seven heavens and the water in its shadow and whatever it shadows, Lord of the two worlds and whatever it is carrying, Lord of the wind and wherever it goes, Lord of the devils and whoever is unguided, I ask you all the good blessings in this country and the best of the people and the best of whatever it has. I seek refuge from all the evil of this country and worst of its people and the worst it has, unquote. It's a, um, I think that's a, from the Quran. It may be a Hadith. But notice he's the Lord of the devils. Allah seems to have been uh, described in the Bible as, quote, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, John 12, 31. Muhammad definitely connected the Lord of the air and God and demons in Allah. This is driving what's going on in Israel right now. Both the Mahdi and the Antichrist are called the son of the dawn. In the Quran, Allah is described as the Lord of the dawn and the bringer of evil. Quote, say, I seek refuge with Allah, the Lord of the dawn, with the mischief of the evil that he, Allah, has created from the mischievous evil of darkness as it becomes intensely dark. Quran 114, 1 through 3. Folks, evil's created by Allah. Mischief and evil is, you know, this Allah dude's starting to sound a lot like Loki. Anyhow, both are afflictors. Some Muslims get queasy when the 91st name of Allah al-Dar is mentioned. The name is Allah al-Dar. And it, it goes, they go so far as to reject this title. Why? Al-Dar happens to be the word used to address vermin in anything nasty. It literally means causer of harm, the afflictor or creator of all suffering. Allah calls himself the afflictor or creator of all suffering. Now we're starting to get into something really cool, at least for Charlie. Both this Mahdi or whatever and the, the Antichrist are cast out of heaven. The casting of Lucifer, the rebellious angel of light out of heaven, along with the fallen angels, has a similar account in the Quran with a slight adjustment. The angel is given the title of deity, the Holy Spirit, and is commissioned to dispatch the host of angels down to earth, commencing the advent of Islam and the new revelation of the Quran. Quote, say, the Holy Spirit has brought it, the Quran, down from your Lord truthfully to assure those who believe and to provide a beacon in good news for all who submit. Quran 16.102. Not surprisingly, the one who dispatched this Holy Spirit to earth is none other than the Lord of this world. Quote, this Quran is a revelation from the Lord of the worlds. Quran 26, 192. Let me explain what you just heard. According to the Bible, Satan sent the Quran. View through something he calls the Holy Spirit. Wallad continues, he says, Upon my detailed investigation of Lucifer in the Bible, it always ended up matching all the attributes given to Allah and the Quran. If Lucifer is described in the Bible as an angel, he seems to fit the angel Muhammad encountered. If Lucifer claims to be God, so does Muhammad's angel claim attributes that belong to deity, for he is in Islam, in Islam describes, quote, an indivisible from Allah, meaning this angel is indivisible from Allah. Allah seems to have a Godhead. I thought, I thought Muhammad said that blasphemy in anybody who thinks Allah is a Godhead. Anyway. Like Charlie said, are you confused yet? Seems to be the indivisible from Allah who is breathed through Allah into all the living, becoming the agents of creation. To top this all, 
Even the Bible account of Lucifer being cast out of heaven seems to have an account in the Quran. Consider this a holiest event in Islam right now. Quote, we have sent it down to thee in the night of destiny. What do you know of this night of destiny? The night of destiny is better than a thousand months. In it, the angelic hosts descended along with the Holy Spirit by command of their Lord Allah. Peace shall be until the rising of the dawn, the morning star. Quran 97, 1 through 5. Charlie, pop on here for a minute, please. Let me dump this here real quick. So, is any of this echoing to you in any way, shape, or form through the Bible? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're being a little facetious there, aren't you? Yeah. This is photonegative language, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yes. This is This is driving the Muslims over there. I understand that none of this seems to have anything to do with the world today. What we're doing is we're setting the stage for what their Mahdi is going to be like and do. And we're going to see in just a few minutes here where all of the stuff that they've been looking for, we've seen the black flags of Quran, um, um, uh, uh, Khorasan. There's more to this. The, the things that are going on in Turkey that Walid tells us about, that's part of their prophecy. The Abrahamic Accords is part of their prophecy. We're going to see in a few minutes that they're told that they can help with all this. They can help make it happen. Remember, the progressives are trying to bring about the kingdom of God on heaven. They, on earth, rather. They were trying to bring the kingdom of God on earth through human efforts. Look what that's got us. <laughs> the parallels I've told us about on this class for a long time now, you know, that Islam is is, is, a, is an apostate version of secular, human, uh, secular humanism or whatever. Yeah, but they're all... It's interesting from this point of view because we've been we've been dwelling on progressives for quite a while in the past few weeks and months. Yeah, but they're a non-religious view of, of Islam. But but the thing is, is it it's spectacular how they are working together, even though they're not together. Like there's a spirit behind like, them? Like there might be a spirit behind them. And how all this is coming together uh, yeah. yeah yeah put that one up there. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. but it's worse than that jim <laughs> yeah, <it's... sighs> should we keep going yeah let's keep going all right let's keep going this gets better <laughs> both are lord of demons they're mahdi the muslims are going to seek refuge in what the quran names rabbi falik the Lord of the Dawn. What they are seeking, what are they seeking refuge from? Ironically, it's against, quote, the mischief of the evil that he, Allah, created. The mischievous evil of darkness as it becomes intensely dark. Quran 114, verses 1 through 3. Excuse me. So they're going to go looking for, they're, they're going to look to take refuge in the Lord of the Dawn, which is Satan, take refuge from the mischief that Allah creates. Y'all see the confusion yet? Who is the god of deception and confusion in, in the Bible, Charlie? Um, well, that would probably be Hasatan. Yep, Satan. Gee, you, you see what Walid's seeing? Allah is the producer of this mischief, evil and darkness, and the very entity that the Bible warns us to wrestle against. He says, quote, the rulers of the darkness of this world, Ephesians 6.12. These are indeed the works of, quote, the prince of demons, Matthew 12.24. 
Only through the God of the Bible was I able to see that Muhammad was standing on sinking sand and saw and sought, quote, refuge in the Lord of men and jinn, jinn or demons, the king of men and demons, the God of men and demons, Quran 114.1. He, Muhammad's telling us that Allah is the God of demons and the king of demons. Jinn or demonic fiery spirits. This was the, the ruthless God of Islam, so ruthless that he said, quote, I swear by those who violently tear out souls and drag them to destruction. Quran 79.1. What type of God swears by those who violently tear out the souls and drag them to destruction? Hmm? Both are possessed. I'm not going to, we're, we're going to have to keep moving a little bit here, but if you want, I'm, I'll leave this up. You can come back and you can freeze well, I got, it. Got one quick question here. Okay. Comment on the board from Clay Tolar. The Quran doesn't tell what will happen if Israel has nuclear weapons and they back them in a corner. No, it doesn't. But the Bible does. What about the Hadith? The Hadith doesn't tell you what happens with, with this either. Remember, everything in Islam tells you they're going to be victorious. The yeah. Bible says they'll lose. But this is Zechariah in the Flying Magias. Yeah. In the Ephah. Yeah. That tells us what happens to Islam. <laughs> yeah. So how's your spirit? Yeah. You're ahead of the lesson plan, Aaron. You're, 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 you're ahead of the lesson plan. Both of these are going to practice beheading. Both desire Israel's destruction. Both occupy the Temple Mount. Right here. Armies carrying the black flags will come from Khorasan. No power will be able to stop them, and they will finally reach Jerusalem where they will erect their flags. Now, here's where we start getting it. All of that had to do this, this right here, the black flags. Notice what, this is Islamic pictures, folks. It says this has started past, present, and future. Started in 79 and is continuing past 2012 when this this one was made. Past 2012, Obama helped set all this up. I want you to read this down here in the bottom. This is off to the right in green. The hour will not be established till the Hajj, the pilgrimage to Mecca, is abandoned, denied, or stopped. Well, this is from 2020. And when is Saudi Arabia only allowed 1,000 people to come to the, to the Hajj in, instead of 2.5 million a year? And then they only allowed a thousand people that were residing in Saudi Arabia to do it. Now, ostensibly, this is because of COVID. That is not how an Orthodox believing Muslim would have viewed that. The Hajj was stopped. This is another indication that they're getting close to their times. Now, this is the importance and necessary to pray for the reappearance. But what it tells us down here at the very bottom, the Hadith tells us that the reappearance of the Mahdi could be precipitated and could be delayed. It's one of the factors which can precipitate the reappearances, the efforts of the people to pray for expediting the reappearance, one of the efforts. But what they're told in the Hadith is that Muslims can hasten his appearance or delay it based on what they do. Well, this is the American thinker piece I showed you a little while about, the occult of the Mahdi. Why is that all important? It tells you what we're looking for. This is what's going to tell you the Mahdi is close. Widespread injustice and oppression in the world. Oppression of Muslims. Mahdi will arise when the, the... I just want to read the yellow ones here. Astronomical signs. Natural events involving eclipses of the sun, the moon occurring during the holy month of Ramadan also believed to be important. That has happened recently. Because they coincided with the feasts of the Bible. 
Islam read that differently than than Christianity did. There'd be chaos and war between Muslims. Has Islam been fighting itself lately? Yes, it has, if you've been paying attention. There'll be widespread conflicts, violence, instability in the Muslim world is a precursor to the 12th Imam's event. And there'll be a far-reaching call from the East. Some believe a literal cry will call out for uh, Mashada, whatever, in Iran and something of the Mahdi. You've had that call. Came from Ahmadinejad. Shiites believe once enough of these uh, disruptive events transpire, the 12th Imam will finally reappear on earth to restore justice in Islam's messianic savior. However, the exact timing remains ambiguous. From an analysis of the Shia Islamic eschatology, it does seem plausible that a world war could potentially be seen as one of the preconditions or signs that is expected to precede the return of the 12th Imam as prophesied by the body. Oh, apocalyptic Islam needs chaos and carnage to bring their antichrist Mahdi back, which is exactly what this guy said. Our revolution's main mission is to pave the way for the reappearance of the 12th Imam, the Mahdi, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Everybody laughed at him. How many people told you about this quote from him? By unleashing an active diplomacy on its nuclear activities, Iran has effectively neutralized the European and U.S. policies. Meaning that this was actually part of the jihad. So Obama's great nuclear deal played right into Mahmoud Ahmadinejad's plans. And he said so. And you were never told that by the great you know, Glenn Beck, who was all over this at the time. Except he didn't talk to you about that part. What else is going on? Oh, we're going to laugh at the Iranian nuclear missiles because they go up and they only get to 100,000 feet and then they fall apart. That's exactly where you want it to detonate if you're firing an EMP that can be launched from a container ship from the port of New Orleans, which could be over Oklahoma City at the right altitude before anybody could stop it and hit the United States with an EMP. It's exactly what I'd be looking to do. And what do our people tell you? Uh, it's just they can't do anything right. Uh-huh. This is all being driven by this Mahdi, dude. So, back to the dawn of the Muslim Brotherhood. You know, the people who were sent here to take over the United States of America, the people who were the number one visitor to Obama's White House, the people who he set up in the Arab Spring that he set up, I got a little newsflash for you folks. There are plenty of Muslims who look at him and think he's the Mahdi. He kind of fits it too. This is why we just read what the Mahdi will do and be like, what his character is going to be like. That's one of the reasons I did that. Obama fits the character of the Mahdi. This is getting scary. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Carriers of the black flag and the banner. These people did not come to coexist. They came to conquer and dominate. We've read the passages from their prophecy that says that's exactly what they're supposed to do. They can bring it about by causing nuclear war. Well, it doesn't say nuclear war in the, uh, in the Muslim prophecies, Joe. No, it says it in the Bible. But it does say in their prophecies that they will use any means necessary. It also says that the world goal. will be destroyed by fire. It, that's in the Islamic prophecies as well. Remember this? Got to get rid of the Jews first. We did this yesterday. This is from Islamic TV back in 2012, I think it was. And then after the Jews, first the Saturday people get rid of the Jews. Then the Sunday people, the Christians. 
They are coming for you, folks. They are. And it's not a fact, a matter of the wars coming. It's already here. Remember, this meme was made in 2004 or five, I think. War is already underway. Since 9-11, over 2 million people have been killed in the name of Islam and over 25,000 terrorist attacks around the world. And that was only four, three, four, five years after 9-11. They want this battle right here, the Battle of the Mahdi, World War. That's what they're trying to do in Israel right now. They want to provoke Israel to doing something horrific that they can use to excite the Muslim world to attack Jerusalem. So there you go, Aaron. How's your spiritual battle doing? Well, there's more in this little book here, folks. If you're a Christian, there's another thing that you need to pay attention to. I showed this one to Charlie. God will raise up seven nations. God, Yahweh, Jehovah. This is from uh, Micah 5, verses 2 through 6. And this man, the Messiah, shall be the peace, and this is the real Jesus, shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land, the Assyrian, that is the guy from Khorasan. That's the same area. We're talking about the same type of area here. And when he shall tread in our uh, palaces, we will raise against him seven shepherds, even eight principled men. They will rule the land of Assyria with a sword, the land of Nimrod with a drawn sword. He, Messiah, will deliver us from the Assyrian when he invades our land and marches into our borders. Okay. Seven, even eight principled men. This is what people call the lion and her seven cubs, if, if you're into this prophecy thing. You'll, you'll run into that from time to time. This is, there's been an echo of this has already happened. The eighth person is Judah. The seven principled men, this is, this is figured of Daniel. You have a prince behind every nation. So this could, be, this could actually literally be men, but it also could be nations and it could be spiritual beings. But you've already had the seven English-speaking nations come to Israel's defense against that area that is today Iraq in the, in the stands. Biden pulled us out of there. Up until that time, we were there. And we were beating back the Islamic attacks on Israel. Israel had seven principled men to fight with it. Seven English-speaking, predominantly, nominally, figuratively Christian nations standing with her. That's an end times prophecy, folks. And it may very well already be over. Or we may, it may be an echo. We might be about to repeat it again. Four of those seven possible principled men have already started sending troops, warships to defend Israel. Things are lining up. Things are lining up. It's about Turkey. He also tells us a few other things. Rise of the Mahdi's and the Caliphate movement. Back in 2010, he told us what was going to Wally Chubat tried to tell us exactly what's going to happen. And it's happened. Most of it has already happened. Exactly the way he told us it would. And he was predicting it as nothing more than a formerly devout Muslim who had read the Bible, figured everything out, and said, Oh, wait, 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 wait. So he did the math and he came up with, We in trouble. And he tried to warn people. Nobody listens. So what happens when you get Obama into office? Up until that time, we had people in the intelligence community, military and civilian, that understood this. And they were trying to warn us. They were purged under Obama. 
they're no longer there. The people who are in there now are secularists too busy fighting for their own little climb up the ladder for their personal material gain and Muslims. You're not going to be able to identify and fight the enemy because the enemy is within your gate. We read Cicero's quote about that yesterday, right? You can't defend against the enemy who's within your gate because he uses your language. He looks like you, acts like you, talks like you. Modern day Trojan horse. Yeah. Only in this case, we championed him. I saw a picture of Ilian Omar, you know, the congresswoman from Michigan or whatever. Said you knew she was a snake when you hired her, when you let her in. It, it, just because you elect a congressman does not mean that the Congress has to accept that congressperson. Y'all know that, right? Have you read the Constitution? The House can say, uh-uh, not you. We never do that. It's in the rules. The rule book says you can do that. They can say, uh-uh, no. Just like when Mike Pence said, my hands are tied. I can't, I can't reject these electorates. Yes, he could have. It's in the Constitution. Yes, he could have. It clearly says he has to accept them. Do you all understand the, the logical extension of the language there? It doesn't say you must accept them. It says you have to accept them in the sense that you have to accept them. If I don't accept them, they're not seated. This is perspective language. And, and, and this is, if you look at it as a, as a progressive, you see it one way. If you look at it as a, an originalist following the framer's original intent, you'll see it another. That's the whole point of the Mahdi stuff that we went over. If you read the Bible from the Islamic perspective, you'll see your guy in the Bible. If you read the Bible from the Bible's perspective, well, then the Mahdi is the Antichrist or is of Antichrist. It does not matter how you look at this. For a devout Muslim, they're reading their prophecies. They are looking at the world. I've got Turkey aligning. The black flags have come out of Khurasan. The, the Hajiz has stopped. The only thing missing is Mecca hasn't been destroyed. But I've got Saudi Arabia starting to align with Iran. That's also a sign of the caliphate being put back together. I've got massive upheaval in, in the world. I've got, I've got all the signs I'm told to look for. for my, I've got things going on in the heavens. The great injustice to the Islamic world. Everything that a Muslim's told to look for is happening right now. But they're taught that if you believe in the Mahdi, you can hasten this stuff, not just through praying. You need to, you need to increase the, the, the fighting with Muslims. You need to increase the uh, injustice for Muslims. You need to increase the global strife in the world you, by causing chaos, which is exactly what Ahmadinejad said he was doing. And the West thinks, well, he was sent back to being a teacher and he's riding a bus now. He's not important anymore. Maybe he accomplished what he set out to do. You ever thought about that, Western you know, intelligence idiots? Think as your enemy thinks, why is he no longer a problem? Have the 12th Imamers gone away? No, they have not. Waleed will tell you about one right now who is an Iraq. He's centered in Iraq. He's been studying to become an Imam in Iran for a while now. Ain't gone nowhere. He's a 12th. He, he believes in the Mahdi. He's still active. And he's busy in putting the caliphate back together. Today, now, this hasn't gone anywhere, folks. 
This is what's behind what's going on. This is the drive to take Jerusalem. It's in their prophecies. They have to take Jerusalem to bring their Mahdi back. Their Messiah. Incidentally, it's not equal. Don't get it wrong. This That, that would be a fallacy to do this, but Mahdi sounds an awful lot like Mahdi. What'd you just say, Joe? Mahdi, Mahdi, you know, Dune. Have you ever looked at the imagery of Dune? A lot of people think they see the biblical prophetic language and everything in there. It's actually Islamic prophecy in Dune. You know, the spice, oil, echoes, echoes and rhymes, folks, echoes and rhymes. Yeah, tortoise, the spice must flow, only in this case, it's the oil must flow. Echoes and rhymes. You haven't been taught any of this stuff. Not in this country, not, not, if you have, it's one here, one there. This is stuff that your pastor should be teaching you in your Christian churches and your Jewish churches. You need to know the enemy. This is, this is, this is satanic. You need to understand that this has ramifications for your physical world, for your, for politics, for military and everything, folks, everything. This is driving the world. This is spiritual. This is not nothing. This is. You either see it or you don't. I've done what I can do. I've done what I can do with this subject. I'm going to leave it a rest for a while. But Islam is not to be dismissed. You cannot understand Islam if you're going to look at it as nothing but just another material world religion. There's a spiritual war going on here. You will not understand what these folks are doing or why they're doing it if you don't understand the spiritual war. You have to choose sides. There is no middle ground here. Both sides say so. Honor the threat. Honor the threat. You have anything you want to add, Charlie? Natasha? Uh, yeah, it's just... Yeah, and, and as I was watching when you mentioned another religion, oh boy... Oh, I forgot to tell you, Muhammad is the Holy Spirit. That that's in there. He is the Holy Spirit. Oh, that that's in their geez, eschatology yeah. too. Yeah, because um, yeah, I saw a lot of similarities. But uh, echoes yeah, and rhymes. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you look at it from a spiritual perspective, and you look at it from that level, how everything fits together. And you can really see what's what's happening here, you know, see the echoes of it happening in the world today. And it it helps you to understand what's going on because you can see how these different views of prophecy are being played out and how we do have a, a part in this in, in some ways. See, the important part people need to understand, it's not whether or not you believe it. It's whether or not they do. Yes. And if they believe it and act on it, 
that will affect the entire world. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I have no words for how scary you are anymore. <laughs> I ran out. Hi, folks. Okay, let's see. What do we get? Oh, we got a bunch of stuff on the board. Let me check and see if we have anything before we go. Uh, yeah, it's like the Highlander movies. There can be only one, good or evil. And remember, Allah is the creator of evil and mischief and revels in it. Uh, coming on the board from the Arctic Tortoise, why do most people think that everyone has their belief values What is not when it is not true? That's normalcy bias. That's Oops. one of my problems, Tortoise, is I tend to think people think like I do, and I keep forgetting you don't. Um, it's just normalcy bias. That's human nature. Comment from Clay uh, Toller. It's like the Highlander movies. There can be only one, good or evil. Can't have both. True. Very true, Clay. Um, you have to choose, folks. You, you don't have a choice. Uh, choose wisely. So, all right. Uh, Aaron Spikes, again, <laughs> yeah. how's your spiritual warfare going? Yep. I don't know, Aaron. I think I'm losing. Oh, boy. But be careful, Aaron. You can't be a son of thunder all the time. Scripture tells you to do it with patience and gentleness. So, you know. Yeah, I have troubles with that sometimes, too. You think I don't? I'm a glorified secretary. I'm ready to start making appointments, Jack. Yeah, well, you know, there's a place. For Dust off and nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah, there's, you know, it's. Me too, Aaron, yeah, me too. There's, there's times. There's times. I've even poked a bear myself, so. All right, folks. We thank each and every one of yeah, you for being here. For we being love here. all of you. If the show is of any use to you for no other reason, please give us a thumbs up. That talks to us directly. We're no longer talking to the rest of the world out there. If you give us a thumbs up or a like button that tells us, me, Charlie, Natasha, especially Natasha, since she actually runs everything behind the scenes here, cracks a whip. Trust me, she's a slave driver. Tells all of us that you like what we're doing and we're doing well. If you think we're doing anything that'll help others, share the show with them directly send them the link um tell them about me in your own words i may have already grown on you but it takes time and i know that i've been told that my whole life um i'm an acquired taste yeah i've, I've heard that many 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 so anyhow let them know that it's the content not the person delivering it i know i've been told that it's both but you know yeah get past me what i'm bringing you has value i hope if you can and you're of the mindset to do so, we could still use a little help keeping the lights on around here. Go to the donut page. Some people call it a donate page. See if maybe you could afford to set up a $5 monthly reoccurring donation for us. Buy me a cup of coffee or half a dozen donuts. $5 is all we're asking you for, folks. This is not one of these big, you know, we just want a little help paying the light bill and, and covering the internet costs. I can't keep forking that out of my own pocket here for too, too, too much longer. So, um, other than that, tomorrow is Worship Wednesday. We're going to be talking about why we can rely on the scriptures and which ones are and aren't scriptures and talking about the Apocrypha and all that other good stuff. In other words, we're going to narrow down the rule book before we start studying the rule book. Thursday is supposed to be Conspiracy Theory Thursday. We'll see. The problem is I keep bringing conspiracies but no theories, and people are getting tired of that. I might just have a silly day Thursday where we just talk about whatever the heck enters my brain. Might be one of those days where I talk to you about my ideas of dimensions and time. I tend to oh bend people's gosh. mind when I go there. <laughs> Friday, 
if nothing else gets in the way, I'm hoping to do the Black Robe Brigade and a few other things from our founding era. We'll see. Friday's liable to be OBE, as they say in the military, overcome by events. You, you find that in logbooks a lot. Yeah, the plan was, and then OBE. <laughs> so, uh, other than that, y'all stay safe. We love you. Thank you for being here. Take care. See you tomorrow.